0: G'day and welcome to another episode of the Point of Difference AFL Fantasy Podcast. A different look at AFL Fantasy Classic brought to you by the Keeper League Pod. This episode, we're looking at all things rookies, all those cheapies to get your structure right this preseason with our special guest, the Oracle. A podcast pod. Welcome to another episode of the Pod Pod. It's your boy Dossie here with Louie and Stato and our special guest, the Oracle. That's Kay's from the Keeper League pod. We're talking all things rookies this episode and we're going to do the same layout that we've done the the past whole preseason. We're going to be looking at three rookies each. And of course, our special guest takes hold and gets three himself today. But Kay's... I just want to know, first of all, mate, welcome to the show, but what gets a rookie on the Oracle's radar for that early
1: fantasy production? Uh, Thanks, Doss. Firstly, thanks for having me. It's nothing uh, I enjoy more than talking about fantasy classic. But, um, (laughs) yeah, look, the two things that get me excited about a rookie, um, personally, a junior pedigree and opportunity. So, they're the two big ones for me. I think a lot of coaches get drawn into uh, high draft picks being better fantasy options. That's not always the case. Um, You see kind of fantasy pedigree-wise, we saw, you know, Will Phillips and Braden Campbell all the chat last year, but it was really Will... uh, Sorry, Tom Power who was there sitting there um, as a 118 averaging player staring you at the face and now he's the one who's head and shoulders above the rest and that's purely because he had that junior pedigree. Opportunity is the other one. Um, You kind of see someone like James Rowe last year He was an established Sandfield player and was always going to be a decent cash cow in round one. So, um, in a side like the Crows where they're rebuilding and just trying to get, you know, um, games into new players, he was a guy who was always going to get that cash building from the start. So, they're my two kind of rules. Draft position means nothing in fantasy. Just keep that in mind. Fantastic. And,
0: and it's probably even better for us this year that we've got a few more of those junior numbers to work with. I know um, almost all the juniors this year at least had a little bit of a run through the legs, whereas the year before that, we didn't have some numbers on some draftees. So, that's awesome. Hey, Louis, welcome to the show as well. And uh, what things are you looking for for a rookie to be in that starting squad? So, K is obviously looking for those things. I'm sure you're looking for some similar stuff. But what gives them the edge to be in your starting squad, aside from the obvious, a green dot?
2: Yeah, look, Doss, it really is just all of the above, like Kay said, uh, junior scoring, state league scoring, role, pre-season form, opportunity, a green dot, uh, pretty much all of those. But at the end of the day, a lot of the time you do just find that you kind of have to pick what's available. Well, certainly in the last couple of years, we've had some some stinkers on the bench, if you can recall blokes like a, like a Ben Kavara, for example, but... Uh, No, I think all of those things that um, I just covered along with K's.
0: Welcome to the show yourself, Stato. How many
3: rookies are you going to be feeling comfortable
0: fielding this year to start with?
3: Yeah, look, it's a really interesting question. And first and foremost, um, we look at rookies and we build our structure around the rookies that are available. Um, And I know there's a lot of hype this time of year, but you actually need that green dot. So they need to score for you. So that's the most important thing. I think we get a generally good sense of how many rookies are going to play. Uh, We know uh, the ones that we think are fantasy relevant as well. So we probably book our structures uh, based on who, firstly, we think is capable scoring enough to be on the field and is likely to get the green dot. We build our structure around that and the bench to me is a little bit more green dot-ish and, look, we're going to get some wrong. There's plenty of uh, rookies that have played round one that have never played a game afterwards or never played another game that season. Uh, Connor Downey was one last year. We all got excited about round one, ended up being a... uh, um, sitting on the pine all day as the sub. So, look, at, at the end of the day, I like the number between four and six, um, but it always depends on the structure. And, and sometimes we just don't have a defensive rookie. Sometimes we don't have a forward rookie. So you've just got to change the structure to reflect. And
0: we'll just get into our rookies in just a moment, but I just wanted to know as well, what sort of a price would you consider to be too expensive to be sitting on your bench to start with?
3: Well, the most expensive player I've got on the bench at the moment is 192. I've got a 191 as well currently, although I don't really like having him uh, in my squad, but it's just the likelihood he might play at this stage uh, just due to a couple of injuries and the rest are 190. So my preference is there's never a dollar over 190, but they need to play. So green dots create the power. If in defence I've got to pay you know, 250K because the only green dot option I've got, then that's what I'll do. All right.
0: Well, without further ado, let's get into our rookies. We're going to be talking about three each, and I've sort of given us the the guide. I think we might have gone over it a couple of times, but roughly below 300K because the 290K is the most expensive rookie this season, which is obviously the number one draft pick. Um, and just the caveat as well, for all of these guys – Obviously, if we're keen on them and they're going to start, that's the key thing. they have to be named round one. So if they're not, if they're not named round one and you're listening to this podcast right before round one, you do not start them if they've got a red dot. Um, even if it's on the on the bench, you want all your players to be generating your cash from the get-go. So just keep that in mind if you are listening a bit down the line. we are sort of projecting who we think who we think is going to be best 22 come round one. Without further ado though, uh, Stato, do you want to take us away with your
3: first rookie pick? And he is the youngest player I have on my list. It's Nick Dacos. So we're talking midfielder only at 284K, uh, discussed as the best fantasy product out of last year's draft and looks set to be straight in the team. So there is talk at the moment that him and Pendles will be swapping a half-back role with some time in the midfield. The scoring pedigree is is important. Yes, he dropped to pick four, but at the end end of the day, I think he's our best fantasy option. Averaged 35.8 possessions in five games at Oakley Chargers last season. And what's most impressive is he's got a really good score build. So he averaged 22 kicks, 14 handballs, six marks, three tackles, and two goals per game with an average of 136 points per game. And you don't get... Too many higher going through that junior system, uh, so lock and loaded on the field, um, and we'll potentially get defender status at about round six. Um, so keep him to the round fourteen buy, and hopefully we'll have a two hundred to two hundred and fifty k increase. Uh, unless he really gets good opportunity, he might even go past the three hundred k mark, and that's a damn good rookie. And Kays,
0: who do we have? I obviously love Nick Dacos. Um, Kays, who's your first rookie that you've got for us off the board?
1: Uh, The guy I want to talk about, Dossie, is Connor McDonald. Now, I reckon he could have one of the biggest fantasy games coming out of this year's draft. Obviously, we know what uh, Nick Dacos can do, but Connor McDonald's a bit lesser known. He had the footy on the string um, in the NAB League last year as well, averaged 30 touches in his four matches, Uh, A running machine. He's got a real thirst for the footy. You'd love that, I know, as a a guy who just oozes. Thirst, you say? Yeah, oozes that thirst. And he also likes laying tackles. So, with a 121 fantasy average, only Nick Dacos averaged more than him in last year's draft. So, he's uh, up in some good, good company. Look, I like him landing at Hawthorne. I think him and uh, Josh Ward will be vying for a spot early. Uh, and they're probably going to be up against guys like Liam Shields, Dan Howe, Harry Morrison, John Newcomb, uh, Lucky Bramble, Connor Nash. All of them aren't necessarily uh, guns by any stretch of the imagination. Shields probably the exception, but he's on the on the um, on the slide in terms of his age. So they could really give guys like McDonald and Nash a crack early. The big thing is he had uh, a. Big, big game in the intra club. So, watched, um, or oh, sorry, read some stuff from that, played in the guts, got plenty of pills, and even kicked a snag. Now, I think my Manscaped hashtag <laughs> sponsored ad, smoothball, called Dossie, is that he plays round one ahead wow. of the much hype Josh Ward.
0: That is a smooth ball call, if ever I've heard Mm. one, mate. That's a bit of nut feel on that one. So, um, Connor McDonald, um, do you know his price, mate? Do you you know his price in the AFL Fantasy Classic format? I don't know if you mentioned that before.
1: Uh, Doss, you know I do not know anything about pricing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I reckon he's in the two hundred, early 200 bracket. I think Stato's trying to find that out for us. Statesman, any interest in Connor McDonald then, after what you've heard from
3: Kay's, The Oracle? Uh, The Oracle uh, has his finger on the pulse and many other things apparently. Um, But I I will say uh, I I was impressed with their language about him. He's 240K, so he's he's not cheap, but he's certainly going to be on the radar. Now, even if he doesn't get selected round one, he's obviously a great downgrade option somewhere along the line. So there's one thing we know what Sam Mitchell's going to do after the the pre-season is actually look after the kids. So he wants to build that future group. Hence the talk in the trade period is actually getting some of the older blokes out while they've got value to get better draft picks. So uh, he's all about preparing the next list. Fantastic. We've got, we've had a few connection issues, but we're hoping we've got the great man back.
2: Louis, who's your first rookie you've got for us? Hey, Dossie. I'm hoping you've got me, mate. Absolutely. Beautiful. Love it. All right. After a few technical difficulties, let's get into um, Sam Hayes, who uh, could be a little bit of a home run for us at R3 in 2022. Uh, He's 22 years old. Uh, He was drafted back in 2017. He's actually the best Ruckman in that 2017 draft pool as well. So... Uh, he had a contract extension to 2023 which I think proves that the club has a little bit of faith in him so he's bound to play in 2022 as that 22 year old sort of mature age ruckman. Uh, he's got a bit of pedigree to him. Uh, he won the Port BNF in the Sandful, uh, averaged 87.4 fantasy points off the back of 14 disposals and five marks per game but he also led the sandfall for hitouts with 620 so that's 34 per game. Um, He should be able to compete at AFL level as well. uh, If he gets a good shot in the ruck, that is. We'll get... More into that later, but playing in the sample as Port's number one ruck, he was actually up against mostly ex AFL ruckmen. So the top seven ruckmen for hitouts in 2021 were all ex AFL players, and that included Kieran Strawn, who accumulated the second most hitouts. He played two games late in the season for Adelaide for a 73.5 average, albeit without robbing the side. So that probably begs the question, how's he going to work alongside Lysette? I know last week our theme was sort of, uh, it's a preseason watch and I think this episode particularly, uh, it's going to be taken up a notch. So uh, it'll be something to monitor in the preseason games, but with the lack of cheap depth at R3, it's likely going to be a decision between who plays on your field or rather at R3 out of Hayes and Combin, I think.
0: Yeah, perfect. You've summed it up perfectly, man. And hopefully we do get one of those two options because, yeah, it'd be a shame to have to, well, just have a red dot there because I don't think any of us are comfortable spending up on someone that would be much more expensive, even like a Proust or something at R3. It just seems like way too much coin to be burning on the bench. So, hopefully we get that Hayes option and uh, good to have you back after that technical difficulties. I will just say as well that- um. I know there's a big name that's yet to come. These aren't in any necessarily any particular order, even though Dacos did come up at number one. But we're just talking we're not about talking Paddy Dow, mate. Tw- we're talking about twelve players we want to chat about. The name will come up. Don't worry, um, he's coming up. Is so he below three hundred k this year, Paddy? Paddy, nah, he's up at 400, I reckon. He's a nice tab. <laughs> um, I'll get through my first um, option, though, and I'm talking about Josh Ward. So, the seventh pick in the draft this year, and he's 278K, another player out of Hawthorne. So, um, K's went the deep cut, the deeper cut, not, not too deep, um, going with Connor McDonald, but Dossie's going with the obvious one of Josh Ward and... He's a running machine and a ball magnet, massive junior fantasy numbers, 30 disposals, five marks, five tackles, 109 average in the NAB league. Um, he's going to be one of the Hawks' best runners from day one. He's just got an absolute monster tank on him. We've already heard um, Jay O'Meara and Titchell talking him up, being a, being a young prospect that's, you know, turning heads. I've heard that so much, turning heads at training. It's the worst- It's the worst saying in the preseason, but I'm going to echo it. Uh, He's turning heads. And uh, he's in line for that early debut for for the season, potentially as early as round one. Um, We've heard Kays say maybe that might be McDonald, so keep an eye on that one. But I think he'll get inside just given they're going for the youth movement. He's a top 10 pick. I think they'll want to get plenty of time into him early. And the fact that he's already sort of, you know, the, the footage of him out there as well, he's just got that speed and acceleration out of out of stoppages and stuff. I think he's going to be an absolute class player going forward. And 278Ks, you know, you've got- If you're spending up, we're expecting a pretty decent average, but I think he'll get the time on ground. If he does get selected, I think he'll get the time on ground, etc., to be able to perform and the solid role potentially on a wing, maybe a little bit of through the midfield as well. Um, anyone want to talk on Josh Ward? We're all pretty comfortable with that pick there.
2: I think- um With Sam Mitchell coming in as coach, they're going to want to showcase their pick number four, I think it was, or certainly their first pick in the draft. So just to create a little bit of hype and excitement for um, Hawthorne's new rebuilding dynasty, I think he'll be someone who gets games pretty early on.
0: Awesome. Let's get to our second player on the list. Stato, who have you got for us?
3: I've got Elijah Hollins, 190K midfield forward. He's actually the son of Ben Hollands, who uh, spent some time in Sydney and a Richmond Footy Club. He turns 20 on Anzac Day. He's the same day as my birthday, which makes him 16 years younger than me. Uh, he could have been the number one draft pick in 2020, Um, but slipped down to number seven due to having an ACL during that season. Uh, Mitch missed his top age year due to COVID and because of some injury, of course, but was showing good signs as a bottom major, averaging 17 disposals, five marks and four tackles. Now, talent-wise, this boy's got it in spades. He's probably at the right club, although I would argue that there's probably too many Uh, young talented players at the one club but I think he's likely to get games. He's probably the majority of people's F6 and I don't think it's a bad start uh, having him at your F6 and I think he'll have a pretty solid impact. I think he'll play half forward and I think he'll get a little bit of time in the midfield as it goes. One thing uh, Gold Coast need to do is actually increase their depth through the midfield and I think he's a classic one to do that.
0: Perfect, mate. Um, yeah, couldn't have summed it up better myself. I think uh, he's on everyone's radar as well. So, it's good to get through some of the more popular picks and uh, he will certainly be one on everyone's radar. I think he was on the Traders this week as well. So, I haven't had a chance to listen to that. Yeah, it's a river interview.
1: Great. Um, all right. Next up. Case, so who have you got as your second pick for us here? Uh I obviously spoke about Conor McDonald uh, with the pedigree last time. Now, I'm talking about Jake Saliga with my next pick. He's got a bit of pedigree and also opportunity. Uh, He's a new crow who's flying under the radar a bit, I think. Uh, Real classy mover, put together a very good season for the Eastern Rangers last year. Averaged 22 touches and 105 fantasy points. He's also an absolute tackling machine averaged 6.3 tackles per game, which was the most of any 18-year-old in last year's draft. I think Greg Clark was the only player to average more. Now, Saligo actually even played one VFL game for Richmond last year and didn't look out of place, collected 17 touches and laid three tackles on his way to 67 fantasy points. Now, what's piqued my attention with Saligo is that there was no Josh Rischelli in the Crow's most recent intra-club hit-out And Saligo is playing in their A-team. So, we saw a bit of James Rowe last year. Lockie Murphy's been on the nose a bit of late. Is there a a forwards pocket spot just waiting and open for someone like Jake Saligo? Now, obviously, take it with a grain of salt. We've still got a lot of uh, time under the... Sorry, a lot of time to go before round one, but he's a 220k priced midfielder. Um, might be able to save you a bit of cash for elsewhere if you don't want to pay up for those top enders. I'm talking about my ass here in terms of uh, salary cap here. But uh, yeah, I like when, I'm liking what I'm seeing because uh, not only did he show it in the underage level, he also stepped up the VFL level, played well, and there's a bit of pedigree and opportunity here for young Jake.
0: Fire, okay, so just for a bit of context for the listeners, we said to Ka' when he jumped on, we said, mate look, we'll take the easy options. you go the deep cuts and boy I, I've got to say I, maybe I've just don't have my finger on the pulse this preseason, but this is one that I hadn't hadn't crossed my mind yet, and I'm glad you brought him to my attention. Jake Saligo. Um, did anyone else know about him before this podcast? Louis No. Stato?
2: No, honestly, I hadn't even heard of him outside of uh, the Keeper League's fantastic resources for, for up-and-coming draftees. <laughs> there you go. Great plug, Louis. Thanks thanks for that. And that's why we
0: have the Oracle on. Keep an eye out for Adelaide youngster Jake Saligo this preseason. Louis, who's your second player for us on this Rookie Pod?
2: Yeah, so mine's someone that Doss has kind of prodded me to talk a little about this week. Uh Jason Horn Francis. I'm not sure if anybody's heard of him. Uh, honestly, I think a majority of our listeners know just as much as we do about Horn Francis at this point, but uh, he was the number one pick in the 2021 draft and he's been making uh, waves from all reports. Really, uh, he comes from Sandford League level. Uh, he was averaging 74.2 at the level. Played a flexible role between midfield and forward, applying his craft as a as a damaging sort of more high impact player. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. First of all, I wouldn't be surprised if in 12 months from now, I'm well off the mark here. But I just wanted to raise some points about starting him. So uh, obviously, number one, the hype is real. Um, as many of you may have seen me tweet earlier this week, it's for good reason as well, and it has nothing to do with fantasy. Uh, North Melbourne finished bottom of the ladder last year, and they've been seller dwell- dwelling for a few years before that. The only place to go now is up, which I'd argue is the most optimistic a football club can be uh, in their position. The priority is to sell memberships, to get fans excited, to attend football matches, watch North Melbourne games in 2022. So I'm not reading too much into the pre-season takes prior to practice games at this point. Uh, Number two, he's part of a young developing team with a lot of midfield depth. Not only is he going to be behind some of the already established guys in the pecking order, he and the rest of his teammates are likely going to be experimented with in different positions as well. And given what we know that he's capable up forward, I wouldn't be surprised to see him spend a lot more time forward of the football and thirdly, rookies generally utilise their outside game before their contested inside game begins to develop. So Rao, in recent years, is probably a bit of an exception to that rule. But I can see a world where Horn Francis's average drops from the 16 disposals he averaged at Sandford level. Um, in the actual AFL, maybe that drops to, to twelve or thirteen. Which, when you're averaging seventy four points in the Sandfall, that's you know upwards of ten points. But obviously, natural development and all that—it's uh, all speculation at this point. But at a two hundred and ninety k price tag, I think you can get a little bit of better value elsewhere. Wow, huge call from Louis.
0: He, he's put his he's put his balls on the line for that one, Stato. Do you want to do you want to counteract with anything? Um, are you on that same? Wavelength, or do you reckon in twelve months Louis might be looking the fool? He'll be looking the fool.
3: Oh, They're sorry, you want me to say on his take of Horn Francis? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, uh, no, I, um, look, I, I just want to see how he plays. For, so we're here in the hype at the moment. Um, let's see it actually play out. But look, good experience at senior level, um, which is just so good for their development. Uh, he's caught. He's got the talent, he can put the score on the board, it's gonna get forward status. Um, look, oh, I think you just lock lock him and load him.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's overthinking as well. I like, am definitely not going against him, but I can see where you're coming from though, Louie, in terms of like yeah. you want a bit more ceiling for a high price player like that. So
3: that's it's and that's a fair comment. Yeah. That that's why I said when I talked about Nick Dacos. He was the number one fantasy player. Yeah.
0: Um, All right, I'll get to my second player, which is Nathan O'Driscoll. So, 190K dirt cheap defender, and he's slotted firmly in at my D6, should he be playing round one. I think this guy is going – I don't think he's under the radar. I think he's one of the more popular picks down back, but – I just think he's a safer D6 than people are giving him credit for. Everyone's scrambling, paying up, you know, for the... I think we're not really going to talk about him tonight, but like the Josh Sins and the Campbell Chesses. And these guys, for me, you know, you're paying up a fair bit. And the job security, I think, is quite similar with O'Driscoll. I think O'Driscoll will play a lot of games this year. He's the big-bodied mid. He's got great athleticism. He was elite testing in both short distance and some 2K time trials in his draft year as well. He's got that just killer work ethic. You can kind of see it in the footage from match practice. He, he's already getting those run down tackle highlights consistently. You see him just coming out of nowhere. He's He just never stops working. And I think he's going to get that kind of a role. Like I don't know whether he'll get that midfield role that he's playing in the preseason, but I think they'll find a spot for him somewhere. And um, at 190 centimetres, he's got a bit of versatility mm. as well. But the fact that they're playing him as an inside midfielder right now and he's consistently playing in that role, you know, there's a lot of guys going in and out with, you know, whatever injuries or whatever, but he's consistently in there wouldn't surprise me if they really give him a crack either in the midfield or on a wing. And uh, at 100, like I said, 190 centimetres, doesn't have a huge fantasy ceiling, 62 in the waffle last season, but I think it's just that. Personally, think his job security
3: could be pretty high this year. Like I said, just that hustle that he displays. So, the um, only, the only word chill. of caution I'll put on DOS here is when we're looking at match simulation, there's two midfields.
2: Oh, so yeah. So, all of a sudden, Absolutely. we've got the,
3: the double yep. allotment. That, that's And there's no doubt they're developing him, but I think Mundy gets first crack at this.
0: Yeah. Like, like all these players, you know, look for the green dot. I think if he's, yep. you know, if he's in the side round one is what I'm saying, though, I think that he will solidify that spot. And I think we shouldn't think twice about having him at that D6. I yeah, think cool. he'll be solid player this year. Um, all right, Stato, take us through your last player that you've got for us this on this pod.
3: Yeah, I'm going old here. Um, Greg Clark, 190K midfielder who turns 25 in May. You've all heard about him. He has got great leadership. He was captain of the WA State team in the National Under-18 Championships back in 2015. So he's got leadership written all over him. He's been sort of on the fringe of getting on an AFL list for quite a few years but last year he had his best season in the waffle where he had averaged 27 possessions and seven tackles a game and comes into the side. And this goes back to the point Kays was making, opportunity. This is a club that needs to reset its midfield group and great opportunity for him. Uh, I don't know if he'll be in the top three in that midfield group, but I certainly think he'll be rotating through. So if selected, he should be on your field, but also understanding we've, we've already talked about seven uh, mid-only rookies here. You can't have all of them in your team. Um, and going to, to the point that um, Louis just made... Uh, at the end of the day, if you're battling off between Horn, Francis, and Greg Clark, if Greg Clark's playing and he's named in the midfield, he's going to score more than uh, a 290 priced rookie. So you're saving a hundred grand of putting Clark on your field over the number one pick, and he's going to score more, and he's probably going to have a more consistent season. Although Horn, Francis is going to be a better footballer in the long term. So I understand that point. So Greg Clark for me is a lock in your team. Um, I've had him for most of the preseason, actually sitting on my bench and that's more related to price than what output will be. So really interesting to see what happens in the practice games.
0: Case, who do you have as your third deep cut for us?
1: This one's deep and I have to ask for a little bit of forgiveness, forgiveness mm-hmm. too here, Dossie, because... Um, you only so have one, th- one rule. One rule. Stato, I don't know if you listen to the uh, Keeper League, but I like to break rules. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> look, will you give me a little bit of extra cash, please, Doss? Because I think this guy almost might be a lock. Tanner Brune from the GWS Club. Now, I've spoken about pedigree and I've spoken about opportunity He has opportunity in spades, and I'll tell you why I think he's a must-have for round one. Last year, he played 11 regular season games, and he only averaged 37.7. Now, that's disgusting. I'm not going to make excuses for that. (laughs) He did only play, uh, sorry, average 59% time on ground. He played both finals in his first year of footy, was the sub in the first final, scored 33 points in the loss to the Cats in the second final. Last year, his best score actually was a 71 against Geelong from only 63% time on ground, Picked up 12 touches, 5 tackles and a goal. Now, looking back on his junior stuff, he averaged uh, 74.5 in two games um, in the twenty nineteen season. Uh, sorry, 2020 season. And last year, he played eight VFL games where he averaged 20 touches and 1.5 goals a game, averaging 82 fantasy points there. Now, if anyone has opportunity, it's Tanner Bruun. We've got Toby Green. He's going to miss the first six weeks of the season. We've got Brent Daniels. He's unfortunately got Liz Frank or whatever that is, that foot injury. He's gone for most of the season. So apart from Bobby Hill and a 30-something-year-old Matt DeBoer, plus their midfielders of maybe Taranto and Canelio, who's actually going to play a small forward role at the Giants? There's no natural person up there apart from Bobby Hill. So I reckon Bruin, he's quite highly tattered in the, in the Giants setup. He's going to get every opportunity this year. And I think if you're going to, you know, as Stata was saying, if you want to get rid of uh, Jason Horn Francis, bring in a Greg Clark, it might give you some little bit of spending money to upgrade to Tanner Bruin. Thoughts?
0: Lads, how, could you spend up 316k on Tanner Bruin? I mean, I started with him last year, so I'm a bad person to ask. I'm still butt hurt from that performance last year. But I will say he, he started performing just from the eye test. He had. Zero confidence to start the season And by the end of the year You could see him starting to adapt to AFL level Looked a lot more comfortable at the level At the end of the year um, Any thoughts on You can't pay that price though, can you? But the job security argument's pretty good from Kay's I reckon, Stato
3: Yeah, might be a good keeper league pick
2: Ludog <laughs> It's a lot of money to play for a guy who As K, so eloquently put Will be playing small forward Yeah, fair cool.
0: I don't mind it, Case. You know what? I might back in, mate. You are the oracle after all, so we'll see. He might sneak in for my team, even if it's just for a week, just to I just look to follow the to,
1: You know, coming back on the podcast later in the year and just start gloating. It's unbelievable. I mean, He's already
0: booked himself in for another episode. Love that. Uh, all right, Louis, what have you got to round us out for your third rookie?
2: Uh, my final player. Uh, honestly, you probably could have uh, copy pasted all of Statesman's notes from Greg Clark for this yeah. guy as well. Uh, his name is James Cetus, uh, plays in the Sandful, uh, mature age, 26-year-old, also has leadership qualities. He was the former captain of the Geelong VFL side, uh, 2021 McGarry Medalist, which is, of course, the the BNF in the Sandful, averaged 97 in 2020 and 104 in 2021. Uh, in terms of breaking that down, that was 28.6 disposals, four marks, 5.6 tackles 4.7 clearances a game, all at 79% efficiency, disposal efficiency. Uh, and just looking at opportunity, Suns have very poor midfield depth. So, we're looking at Took, Matt Rao, Noah Anderson, starts to drop off. Braden Fiorini, <laughs> is he best 22? I don't know. No. Uh, then we look at Davies, Swallow, Flanders, Hollands. These are all sort Constable. of fringe guys who- Um, at Constable as well. So these are all guys who you probably have a couple of question marks about whether or not they play each week, uh, how much they attend centre bounces, all that. So I think um, ultimately James Cetus uh, he won a spot on the list as a train-on player competing with Nathan Freeman. Both are midfielders, so I'm going to take from that that Gold Coast have identified that they need more depth in that area. And I won't be surprised to see if he lines up round one. And he's another one, just like Greg Clark, who maybe you do sacrifice one of those more cashed-up rookies and and chuck him on your field because he should be a scorer if named. Did you raise the
3: disposal efficiency at a little dig at uh, Dossie Boy there? (laughs) Almost certainly, yeah, I did. (laughs) Oh, dear. And I heard Kays jump in as well. That was
0: great. Great to see. He had to get that dig on this podcast as well. Thanks for that, Kays. Um, much appreciated. All right, I'll get to my third rookie. And this guy is probably more – this is probably the biggest one in terms of just watching where he's at this preseason. I don't know where the job security is going to lie with him to start the season at least. But another docker for me to finish off, and it's Neil Erasmus. And this guy's probably the one that, aside from maybe a Dacos – I'd put him on the same level as potentially a Ward type guy when looking, and, and even a Horn Francis, depending on if he ends up converting to a fantasy player, as where I'm highest on long term. Erasmus' numbers are just ludicrous in terms of fantasy production for a junior. So he's, I think, has a spot in the side if it depends if Longmuir is ready to pop him in there. So. He's at 272k, which is obviously pretty expensive. So, you're going to have to sacrifice in a starting rosters type thing. If he's got the role, it's going to be between probably him, a Ward, you know, a Hobbs, if you're looking that way, that type of player. But 36 disposals a game. This is in his school team. But when he played for the Waffle Colts, it was 28 disposals, 16 contested touches and eight marks, which as an inside midfielder getting those eight marks on the outside That indicates to me something we talk about quite a lot. That's thirst. That's undeniable thirst. That's huge thirst on the outside of the contest, which we all all love. So, that's that inside-outside game that I know Stato loves. Um, There's talk, a lot of talk about him playing that mixture of wing and inside midfield. In the early goings, we know there's lots to to change. Um, This is just trial period. So, wait and see when the real thing starts. But. Another guy that's 190 centimetres has a really strong contested mark and a solid tank as well. So, he could play that forward midfield mix that they're looking at. And honestly, it's probably going to be between him and the likes of a Will Brody who gets that go at that role. So- um, I'm excited to see what he does this year and whether it's a keeper league versus a classic team. That's the what I'm weighing up at the moment. But he's a guy I'm looking at in the preseason, and I'll probably be weighing up between him and Josh Ward for me as to who I'm going to start. I think Ward's job security um, is going to be a lot easier to to handle though in this first year, given the Dockers' kind of midfield depth. But um, any thoughts on Erasmus? I know you're super high on him two Ks, but do you reckon he'll pop in his first
1: year? I am high on him long term. I'm my only concern about him this year especially is last year he was playing a lot of schoolboy footy, so mm. and schoolboy footy in Perth. So I'm gonna guess that's not the strongest kind of um, you know, background to head into your first AFL season with. Like from all reports at the moment we're hearing he's doing very well at training, but is he quite ready to step up to full AFL level from from such a lower level? That's my only concern for him this year.
0: Yeah. And I guess also we've just seen Sarong get nurtured for two whole seasons um, who looked like a really AFL ready talent. And, you know, and we've seen Longmuir basically state, um, I think it was only via Twitter or something, he liked to comment. And it was like some person saying, oh, Longmuir is giving Sarong less time to nurture him through the season as a young player. And you know, the fact that Longmuir kind of acknowledged that as a reason why he's getting such low time on ground. You wonder whether they do the same with, like, a guy you've just said that played quite a bit of junior footy last year. Did you have something to add to Louis?
2: Oh, that was exactly what I was going to say, mate. Just uh, monitor the points per minute in the preseason season because uh, Fremantle have a bit of a history of making their draftees play quite a low time on ground. So, he, he might be a superstar and he still might be worth fielding, but uh, it's definitely something to... To keep an eye out for. We're going
0: to go fast uh, roundtable style here. Just a yes or no. If this person is named, whether you would consider them um, at their price as well. I'll try and get the prices up. (laughs) I might not be able to get them in time. But, all right, Willy Rioli comes in at 293k, pretty high job security, you'd imagine. Would you be keen on him starting with him, Statesman? Possibly. Yes or no, please? Yes, I would consider it. Garrett
1: McDonough, Kays, you're a Don's man. Kane, he's very cheap. He's cheap, but Don's salad's are looking pretty good if they're at full strength. I just don't know where he fits in. So I think he might be a bit of fool's gold at this stage, unless we see something massive in the preseason. Will Gould, Louis.
2: Um, yes, but I'm not convinced he's not just AI coming out of the Swans at the moment because he's just been unseen for, yeah. for a number I've of years I've seen him in now. a couple
0: of snaps on their socials, just, you know, laying a, laying a strong tackle here or there. Yeah, he's if he's named, he's a, a must have for me. But uh, Josh Rochelle, Statesman, don't know if you know too much about the, this crow, but uh, we've apparently we've got, um what's his name? Uh, I've got to look him back up. Jake Saligo coming in ahead of him, though, in this preseason. So maybe avoid Rischelli.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, I'll consider him, yes. Okay, uh, next player,
1: Jack Hayes. Kayes. Yes, Dossie. He's not actually officially signed by the Saints yet, but uh, word is on Twitters, if you believe them, he's going to be a cheapest chips 190 uh, forward ruck um, because he did pick up a heap of um, hit outs. Really? Yeah, a heap of hit outs. He ate- let me just get this uh I want to be correct. Um He's only 192 Louis. though. Isn't I know I know Louis he, he is, gonna but he had 164 189 hitouts last year as a 192 centimeter player.
3: Yeah, but in state league,
1: not at the highest I'm just level. saying Stato, but I know Louis pretty keen on um on Hazy as well because he's an absolute brute of a player and uh he could fit into that Saints lineup quite nicely and if he comes in at a bargain price, I reckon he's a must have.
2: Definitely, a former teammate as
0: well. Yeah, Louis, former teammate, absolutely. When are we going to see you out there, mate? One ninety k. We're going to need you in the mid-season draft, I reckon, Louis. COVID replacement, mate.
2: Oh, maybe if I drop ten kilos, mate. <laughs> All right. What do you we'll think see. of Campbell
0: Chesser, Louis, as a starting option?
2: Um, to, yeah, on two flyers, others
0: mark in the back line.
2: Yeah, he's a little bit expensive for me, but it probably mm. depends on um, what else is available, but. Look, I'll consider him, so I'll give him a yes.
0: All right, and the next, the last player I think we've got here, 268k. So he's slightly more expensive than Chester, just going ahead of him
3: in the draft. Statesman, are you keen on Josh Sin from Port? Yeah, defender. So uh, if named and we're struggling for other rookies, definitely considered. Oh, we've got one final one for Kays, who's an Essendon man. Oh, a lot no. of word that this
0: guy's going to get an early debut. 266K. Talked about a bit of midfield time, even from the skipper, Dyson Heppel himself. What do you think of Ben Hobbs this year?
1: Um, Love him long-term. I'm just a bit worried again this year. Um, Good call. You know, we've we've got Caldwell coming back in. If we're full strength... It's going to be hard to see someone like Ben Hobbs slot straight into that midfield. If, if so, he might get like a 40 pocket roll and it's not going to show his best. So, I'd probably avoid at a, a premium price. Okay, so you've been
0: fantastic with your rookie deep cuts today. Thanks for that, mate. I'm just going to go through four quick Dossie's pods and we might even jump and get your opinion on these as well. So, these are our point of differences. Our potty pod pod pods, poddly pod pods for Dossie and this one's on the Melbourne side of things. Oh, you, you know I couldn't avoid this. 371k, job security through the roof. Just want a granny. It's Jake Bowie. Uh, I might get K's. Oh, nah, K's might not give me what I want. Uh, Louis, any thoughts on Jake Bowie? Uh,
2: I've already given you my thoughts on Jake Bowie in the, um, in the Messenger's dossier. It's a no from me. Uh, 371k is just a little bit expensive for a bloke who... Who, who averages about um, 18 touches, but only distributes um, about 60 average AFL fantasy points. So, it's it's not for me
0: at the price. I think I'd still take him over Tanner Bruin there, uh, Kays. <laughs> um, my second Melbourne player that I've got as a point of difference, I think he's going so un- not talked about enough in terms of we're all talking about how, oh, let's not start Max Gorn. He's way too overpriced given Luke Jackson's going to be taking all this ruck time. Well, how about Luke Jackson then? If he's going to be taking all that ruck time at 520k as a ruck forward, I actually I'm starting to come around to him as the perfect player to p- the pair with a riskier ruck setup in your Braden Pruce. If you start with him, I know Stato doesn't like going with Braden Pruce. I've come back around to the idea. Five percent owned, Lukey Jackson, a 62 average. I reckon he easily goes 75 to 80 this year as as that ruck forward and could cover your Pruce if he goes down, Stato.
3: I need to send you to therapy. You don't spend five hundred thousand dollars for someone that might make you forty grand over the first fourteen weeks, and then trade him out to a premium. Uh, a lot of potential there, and I think uh, if you look sell right. your Jack Bowie uh, down to Jake. a one ninety k rookie, and take that money and add it on to Luke Jackson to get yourself a premium. I reckon Kays and I might have Jackson this year. What do you reckon, Kays?
1: Not in classic, mate. Even I'm not that stupid. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Stato's <laughs> just coughed off his glass. He just took him out of Jesus. <laughs> All
0: right. Um, we'll, well, I'll go to. What? I'll throw to you, yeah, Kays. That's um, good. <laughs> Will we'll Phillips. That. Will Phillips at 366K. This bloke's already admitted that he, uh, you know, struggled with his first year at AFL level, given the fact he came off a COVID year um, in his juniors and couldn't play that year at all. So, coming in, Stato's raving about his leadership at the club. Have you guys heard about the- uh The Tom Power, Will Phillips handball masterclass that they run after trainings as well. Oh, An absolute great story came out about that. They're already teaching others how to handball because they're that bloody good at it already. What do you reckon, Kays? 366K. Do we
1: see some midfield time from him? I owned him in one of my keepers last year and watched him quite closely. Seemed to spend too much time up forward and I just don't see... Heaps more midfield time this year. Yes, they want to get it into him eventually, but just looks a little bit undersized, especially compared to Tom Powell. So um, he's another miss for me this year. I reckon maybe third-year breakout for Will Phillips next year, though. Yeah,
0: I love him long term again, but yeah, I just watched the role, but I think there is too many guys to contend with. But I will talk about his uh, running mate in the Tom Powell, Will Phillips Handball Masterclass. That is Tom Powell um, for my second pod from North Melbourne. And Tom Powell at 574k with the mid-forward status, already looking really comfortable in that midfield. Had a bit of an injury-interrupted year last year, tailed off toward the end. Louis, any interest in a bit of a second-year breakout from Powell? I think he ticks a lot of boxes for that second-year breakout.
2: Uh, First of all, I think those two should go down to Witten Oval and teach all the Bulldogs players how to handle. if that's the case. Um, But Tom Powell, I'm relatively interested in. He's not someone I'm ballsy enough to start, but he's someone that I could see uh, jumping on early if he's got a big enough role in that Kangaroos midfield. Uh, I know Kays spoke earlier in the podcast about fantasy pedigree and actually brought this guy's name up as an example. He's a gun, and if he's going to be attending... Uh, plenty of centre bounces. I could easily see him take that big jump that we've seen from other second-year breakouts like Taranto and Clayton Oliver. It's just whether or not uh, he's got that role. And just I had a bonus one. I had a
0: poddly pod pod, poddly pod pod, poddy pod pod. And that's Tristan Tristan Cherry at 281k. Um, Just there's... There's some word that he's sticking around to take that Goldie role. If we see him at any stage looking like he's going to get that number one mantle at 281K, um, if he's selected without Goldie at some point, then uh, just just keep an eye out for him. He's very cheap. All right, that's the pod pods for this week. Um, Kay's, I just want to ask you, seeing as you are on here and you're our rookie expert, what can we find on keeperleague.com.au that
1: we can use for our rookie research this preseason? Fantastic question, Dos. Thanks for asking. Uh, Look, yeah, we put together a a little bit of a a draft analysis uh, document, a nice little PDF you can download if you become a member of the Keeper League. Uh, Basically, we go through every single draftee, give a little um, information on their stats from last year, the likelihood if they're going to debut this year, um, whether they're a bit more relevant for your Fantasy Classic um, or your Keeper League setup, but also a bit of a blurb about uh, you know what they did last year and where we think they're going to sit in their size this year. So if you want to get really deep into your, your um, rookies, uh, sign up as a member, download that, and you'll be ahead of the game for sure. You'll know about Jake Saligo before most people do as well, which is a nice little, nice little addition.
0: Love it, mate. And you say we, but that was all the, the mighty oracles doing that one. So, fantastic work on that. It's a great resource. And um, the link for to become a member um, will be in the description as well. If you become a silver or gold member, you get access to our weekly pod pods throughout the season. And we're getting close to, uh, to D-Day when we go behind that um, on thekeeperleagepod.com.au. So, check it out. Um, thanks again, Kays. And thanks, as always, to you, Lewin Stato. We'll see you all next week.